This is episode 388 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Adaptation is Key to Survival and How to Overcome Betrayal in a Prepper Group. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like to get some more information about building your own microbiz and joining the Prepper Website forums, click the link in the show notes or come on over to ThePrepperWebsitePodcast.com. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our first article. It comes to us from survivalblog.com. And again, the article is entitled, Adaptation is Key to Survival. Over the years, what it means to be a prepper and how to prepare has changed quite a bit for me. I have learned that adaptation is key to survival. I haven't been a prepper my whole life, but I have had the mentality and heart of one due to the way I was raised. I grew up in a blue-collar family where if you wanted something, you worked for it. If something was broke, you tried to fix it before spending money on it, and where everything had a second purpose. I smile as I write that because it reminds me of gardening with my dad and using milk jugs as little greenhouses for tomato seedlings. My dad was big into hunting, so I spent a lot of time outdoors. He taught me a lot. He taught me how to hunt, fish, process game, and preserve food. The most important thing that he taught while hunting was how to stay quiet and to really observe my surroundings. It might sound simple, but it was hard for a little kid to always remain still and quiet. However, I did succeed in learning this and have been amazed at how well that ability has served me in my life. As a young man, I got more interested in this lifestyle of self-reliance and started to learn as much as I could about sustainable ways of living and long-term disaster planning. Like most young people, I lost my way and became fixated on fads and things that were popular. I was set in the lone wolf mentality of survival, thinking that I could conquer the world. Youth really is wasted on the young. Rather than learning skills and gathering information, I spent too much time on obtaining gear and supplies. Since I took that popular route of prepping, the bulk of my stores were made of weapons, expensive tools, and easy food prep, such as MREs and freeze-dried food. This was my first big mistake because, in a way, I was relying on others for some of my survival capabilities while at the same time wanting to be a loner. I had stopped hunting and fishing and hadn't grown a garden in years. I had tied up a lot of my money in the typical beans and bullets types of supplies that I purchased primarily based on the opinions of others with little research on my end. So all of my present and future survival food was dependent on what I had in the house at that time. That's not a horrible thing in in of itself, but I never gave a thought to rotating it out or supplementing it with other types of food. The day came where I realized that almost all of my long-term food had drastically expired. As I stood there looking at my supplies, I had an epiphany. Something needed to change. I needed to change. I needed to learn to adapt to various ways of preparing instead of having tunnel vision. This needed to apply to supplies, skills, and knowledge. When it comes to food, I still like and own MREs and other long-term food options. They just don't make up the bulk of my supply like they used to. Instead, I turned to growing a small garden and preserving what I could. 
For the bulk of my food, I decided on canned goods and other items that I normally used on a daily basis. That was such a huge and important turning point for me, and I have a story as to why. One day, I had found out that I lost my job and I was out of work for about six months. I did not have a lot of money saved up, but what I did have was a ton of food and other everyday items such as toothpaste, soap, toilet paper, coffee, sugar, spices, etc. This period of time taught me two critical aspects of preparing. First of all, my idea what I was preparing for changed drastically. I never had a specific event in mind, although it was always something big like a war, EMP, solar storm, pandemic, aliens, or zombies, take your pick. I now realize that anything that drastically changes your way of life is something worth preparing for. Events don't have to be these large-scale, everlasting situations that most of us think of. They can be localized, natural disasters, inflation, supply shortages, etc. I know losing a job might not sound like a big deal to a lot of people, but because I had that store of supplies, I used what little money I had strictly for bills, and that was how I got by for six months. The second thing that it taught me was how important it was to diversify everything when it comes to prepping. I mean everything. Knowledge, skills, supplies, gear, relationships. According to the original path I was on, the only thing I needed were my beans and bullets, and the beans were freeze-dried. I would have been in a world of hurt when I lost my job if I had not diversified my supplies and adapted to a different mentality of prepping. However, since I did, my day-to-day life was fairly normal and I didn't have to give up much. I could still have my coffee in the morning, bathe and brush my teeth when I needed to, indulge my sweet tooth since I had stored candies and anything else that applies to your daily life. Just beans and bullets would not have helped me out very much. When it comes to relationships, I decided I needed to forget about the lone wolf survival method. That way of survival only really works in certain situations and short-term emergency events. I broadened my scope and became more active in preparedness communities on the internet and with like-minded individuals and started to seek out local people that were like me. It wasn't until I started to have real conversations with other people who held the same beliefs as me that I realized just how little I knew. When I started to develop friendships with these people, it really hit home that it really does take a village. From personal experience, another reason I learned why the lone wolf method is so hard is because during that period when I lost my job, I got sick. Now, really think about this. I was down and out for about a week. In a true survival situation, if you are on your own and you got sick or injured, how are important tasks going to get done? Who is going to tend the garden, help you get healthier? hunt or fish for food, acquire water, and protect your perimeter. These are some of the aspects of true survival that I thought of while laying in bed in the comfort of normal times. Needless to say, I was hit with some hard truths. Here's what I want you to take away from my story. Knowledge and skills are above gear and supplies because supplies are usually easily scavenged whereas information can be hard to come across. Don't have tunnel vision, but instead adapt to different situations and ways of accomplishing things. Preparing for one specific event is going to severely limit you in terms of resources and abilities versus visualizing a broader range of scenarios. People are going to be one of our greatest resources if Tiatwaki ever happens, for a multitude of reasons. They will bring knowledge, skills, and ideas to the table that you may have never thought of, Strength in numbers is key when the world takes a drastic turn for the worse. The last thing I would like to add is that getting through events is not just about surviving. It's about community and rebuilding. 
We are herd animals and need socialization as well as other aspects of being around other people. If we didn't, there's no way we would be where we are today. I urge anyone who is reading this to not hunker down in their bunkers, but to branch out and develop a network of people who truly want the best for those that we love and who share the same ideals and desires for the future generation. No longer will I prepare, learn skills, and do my best to store supplies in order to just get by another day. I am doing so in order to live another day so that I can continue to experience everything this world and life has to offer. Folks, take it from me that there is so much more to this life than the fear-induced lives we are force-fed on a daily basis. If you are stuck in a way of life that causes you to be stagnant and unhappy, then change it. Learn to adapt. Only through adapting can we ever hope to better ourselves and to keep moving forward to a positive end. All right, guys. I think it's a very useful article that if you know the prepper epiphanies and you know what if you've been prepping for a while you probably have had some prepper epiphanies yourself and so I love this idea of you know you know sometimes when you have something important happens and when he, he mentioned here in this article in normal times like he got sick in normal times and he was able to uh you know get over that sickness maybe somebody was helping him and you know helping him get better and all those types of things but he was able to reflect on that and learn his lesson from that you know some people go through life and they they go through events like this and they don't learn from it and they just they just keep pressing through and, and they're stuck with their beliefs and they're gonna hold to their beliefs no matter what and so I think that's it's important to be able to, you know, think through things and reflect and say, you know what, this would have been really, really bad if it was a true uh, poop hit the fan situation, you know, uh, things that you could have easily uh, taken care of, you know, with somebody else and or people helping you being in a community, you can easily die from right. And uh, even if you don't die, but like he was talking about, you go more than a couple of days without, you know, watering your garden. Uh, it's it's gone, you know, and uh, you might be able to save some of it, but if uh, if it's dependent on you watering it, yeah, it's going to be gone, and uh, all the other things, fixing water and security and or, or getting water and security and all those different things, and so I love the fact that he was uh, branching out and uh, reaching out to other people that are like minded. I would have really liked to know maybe the part two. Uh, would have been uh, to this article would have been you know some of the things that he did because I know that's always a big thing in uh, prepper circles is how do I go about doing it now I've shared a lot of my ideas on that on how to go about doing that and building uh, a group and building finding people that are like-minded but I would have loved to read what this author did and uh, some of the things that that he tried in order to reach out to people that were like-minded so guys, again, that's over at survivalblog.com. Adaptation is key to survival. I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go and check it out for yourself if you'd like. All right, our next article comes to us from readynutrition.com. And this one is entitled, How to Overcome Betrayal in a Prepper Group. You know, this article is a little bit darker as we, uh, as we read it and as we come to this topic because it's something that uh, we can easily imagine uh, that would cause a lot of heartache and harm to to a group. And so again, the title is How to Overcome Betrayal in a Prepper Group. And so uh, this is coming from a standpoint of uh, possibly when uh, the poop has hit the fan or even before the poop has hit the fan and how to deal with it. So let's go ahead and read this one. 
One of the possible obstacles we may face in a prepper group is a betrayal. While this is not a welcome situation to arise, it can happen, and trust between members can be irrevocably damaged. This is part of being mentally prepared to press on, and this article will give you essential tips on how to get through a deeply felt betrayal. Understand that you do not have to forgive unconditionally. You have to forgive if the person is repentant about the offense they've committed against you. That does not mean you have to have a tearful, slobbering embrace and welcome them back with open arms. We live in an era that when politicians and religious figureheads blubber on TV and claim to be sorry, that is taken to be genuine. What about those who are supposed to be sharing your foxhole with you? Most of the time, it's lip service. If they are involved with you past your normal vetting procedure, chances are they know you and your family, as well as what supplies you have. So, what if you do have a trusted ally who all of a sudden goes south on you and betrays you in one way or another? You may have even depended on them for some type of contribution or support to your survival group or unit in the form of money, material, or action when the time arises. Let's cover some guidelines when those who were supposed to be covering your back are stabbing you in it and you need to cover your backside. If you wish to forgive them, that's on you. It's even more on you if you take them back in and they hurt you or others in your family or preparedness group even worse. Best thing to do is cut them loose. Give them back whatever they gave you and send them packing. Don't waste further time or energy with them. Plain and simple. If they screw you over on the small things, you can't trust them on the larger things. Whether it is money, property, or a spouse or partner they are after is irrelevant. What do you think they'll do after it hits the fan when there are no laws that can prevent them from going after what they want? You must assess how much damage has been done to you. What potential exists for more damage to be done to you by this person in the future? What do they know that they might be able to use against you, either with others of their ilk or something trumped up with the authorities? Do they know your layout of supplies and emergency procedures? Are they aware of your actions in a collapse or disaster and the actions of those of your family? Do they know where you and or family members work, bank, shop, or frequent? Do they know your medical needs and your family's weaknesses and strength? You must reassess these and many other factors in order to figure out what damage is done by severing ties and what damage could be done in the future in Fisher-Price land or after the S hits the fan in a road warrior scenario. You must change the entire playbook and tighten up the screws on all of your procedures. Anything the Benedict Arnold and his brood may have been privy to, you must now change or eradicate completely. New passwords must be agreed on, new radio frequencies and call signs, new rally points, new near and far cash points. All of your supplies have to be moved or removed and hidden where they're now in parts unknown to Benedict and his tribe. Take this one to the bank. If the betrayer is cast out, then get rid of his family from your group along with them. They may play along with you for a while and denounce Benedict, their dad or cousin, no matter Blood is thicker than water. You keep them in with you, they'll open the gates for Benedict and his group, and you will then be cast out. Note, if you haven't done so, see the movie Time of the Wolf. What if their family, the betrayer? Well, not anymore. Cut them loose and kick them out of the group. Immediately, core family presents a special problem. What if mom betrays the group or dad? What about the kids? You have to live with them, but that doesn't mean you have to include them in your plans for after it happens. 
Kids are different in that you're obligated to take care of them until they're 18, and then they're not a kid anymore, legally. The house that is divided does not stand, and your greatest foes can be those of your own family. But they're human. If they betray once, they'll do it again. As simple as that. Don't allow heartstrings to turn into a garrote to throttle you. What if the betrayer is a boss or employer? Then find a new job as soon as possible. An employer that is part of a survival group who betrays you, he'll try to play the part of the tyrannical warlord when it falls through. You give him your own pink slip and be done with him. Best option, don't ever invite a boss into your midst and alleviate a battle for a control that will arise. Before it all comes to this, don't let it come to this. Practice OPSEC with even the most reliable ally, remembering that all men have the capacity to betray and usually do. Don't give up all of your sensitive information on your procedures and supplies. Form groups that may train together, but do not reveal what you have in your storehouse before a need arises, and even then, carefully consider what you're doing. Let an alliance be a loose confederation of like-minded people, yet avoid entangling alliances. Train together on different survival tasks and agree on functions to help one another out, but be vigilant. The most trusted people in your lives can turn on you without batting an eye when the need arises if it is in their interest. If it happens before it hits the fan, you can bank on the fact that they will do much worse after it hits, if you allow it. Don't allow it. And don't be a victim or allow others in your family or group to be victims because of a poor decision. All right, guys. So you know that uh, I said this is kind of a dark one when you really start thinking about it. Uh, because you're thinking about, you know, you're doing, you find something in common with these people that you're willing to start joining in uh, the possibilities of, of uh, going through a poop hit the fancy situation with these people. And then all of a sudden things start happening. Uh, and uh, they're whatever it is, betrayal and, and stuff like that. So here's here's one of the things that I was thinking about here is there are levels of betrayal. How far are you are you able to take it? So let's say um, uh, how how far are you willing to go? Let's say is there a difference in the fact that um, maybe someone went out and they bought some MREs and they were hungry and so they dug into the MREs and ate one, and then you uh, do you consider that betrayal? You know because they got into the long term food stores that you're planning on using for SHTF. And they went ahead and, and got into it and ate it because maybe they were hungry or maybe because they just wanted to see what it was like. So is that betrayal? Or could it be something like you gave someone 200 or 500 or $1,000, right, to put to, towards some type of survival gear and or, or some type of, uh, you know, purchase that they were going to make. And for whatever reason, it didn't make it there and they had all the um you know maybe they needed to borrow two hundred dollars or whatever and then but they didn't ask you and then they used that money and then the purchase didn't get made and and is that betrayal right um how what what if it goes even further than that i mean you can think of uh even worse betrayals than that where they start uh telling other people about your plans and and or the group's plans and they start inviting people that are not vetted into you know is that betrayal so there's different levels when we're talking about betrayal and what are you willing to say, okay, that was just a stupid decision and a mistake and don't do that again. Or, you know, hey, wait, that is, you went way too far and that is, uh, you know, I forgive you or whatever, you know, like you said here in, uh, or like they, they mentioned here in the article, I forgive you, but 
the, the grievance, this thing that you did, the betrayal is too much that we can't continue on, you know, with, with this survival group. We can maybe, you know, go out to, to dinner every once in a while. Maybe we will see each other out, you know, in the community or whatever that might be. But as far as, you know, going through the end of the world as we know it together, uh, um, that's nothing that we're going to do together, right? So uh, it, it's just too much. So where are you where are you at with that, and where would you uh, you know where the where's the line for you when it comes to betrayal? The other side of this is the family aspect of it, you know, uh, where they said blood is thicker than water. That is very true, and uh, you know I have a big family, I have extended family here in my area, and so you know my 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 parents, my brothers, my, my sisters, my, 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 you know, my sister-in-law, my, my mother-in-law, you know, all, all those are, are really, really close. But then I even have like uncles and cousins and all those types of things that live in the area. Right. And so, uh, how would you, how would you see that? And there are some people that would just be able to, to turn a blind eye and just say, Hey, I I just, I, I don't want anything to do with you. Now in the comment section, it, it shows how, broad of a range people are out there and they're so willing to just say hey i don't want anything to do with you even their own parents right and uh so there's there's some comments in here that are they're almost kind of brutal right and you don't know always the situation you don't know what the situation was or the background there could have been some really bad things that were done but uh you know it, there are people out there that could turn their own parents away that could turn their own uh you know their own brothers and sisters away i just i could never do that being uh being a christian i i just would be very very hard for me to to do something like that not only that i've always mentioned this before you might have that mentality where you can say you know what you have not uh you know you look to a family member and you could say uh, something along the lines as, I told you, I warned you that this day was coming. You never wanted to put back any kind of supplies. So no, you don't get to come and be a part of what we're doing here. And that might be the way that you view things. But that doesn't mean that your spouse or your kids or you know the, the other people that are in your group are going to be able to do that. And how are they going to, I mean, if you don't have your group established in a way is like you make the rules and that is it and there is no question. You have little kids who don't understand. Uh, hey, why are you letting you know Uncle Bobby <laughs> you come in and join the group? And you know he's he's uh, scared and he's he says he's going to die and we don't want Uncle Bobby to die or you know we don't want Grandma to die. You know, can you imagine you know, having to deal with that where your kids look at you as like we, you you're a monster? You turn these people away, and so that's something that you really have to think about. Ultimately, for me, because I am a believer, because I am a Christian, and I, you know, I follow the 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 Word of God. I want to be obedient uh, to the Word of God and also to uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. I am going to depend greatly on discernment. That is going to be one of the things that I trust the Lord in, and uh, go you know day by day, and uh, let the, let the Holy Spirit guide me and lead me there. And so I know that there are a lot of believers out there that that do listen to the podcast, and hopefully that would be your uh, your way of doing things as well. You know, when we we get close to the Lord, now we stay uh, you know we stay prayed up and we read our Bible, and and that is very important for us now. That is going to be even more important when the poop hits the fan. We're going to be able to, uh, or we're going to have to be able to depend on God a whole lot. Because he's going to be, he's going to need to be right in the midst of it. 
uh, of our survival and situation. And those people that are uh, that don't believe in God, you know, hopefully you do develop some type of system where you are able to figure out what you're going to do. And uh, because when you're right in the midst of it, coming up with, uh, you know, the decision is, is going to be really hard and the group really needs to be um, all in agreement or at least there needs to be the leader needs to be completely in control to be able to make the decisions and everyone agree with that. So guys, again, that's over at readynutrition.com. The article is entitled How to Overcome Betrayal in a Prepper Group. And so, uh, you know, a lot of things to consider there. Again, I'm going to link to this one in the show notes as well. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 388. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.